Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. The big fight reaction. Chris Eubank Jr. beat Liam Williams on points in what was a strange fight. A fight that we thought was going to be a lot closer than it was. A fight that could have gone either way, but turned out to be a bit of a one-sided affair, in my humble opinion. So before we get started then, Johnston, you know, this this is the main topic of, of talking, really, from from this episode but there's many other fights that we want to want to touch on as well throughout this particular card uh, and across the pond in the USA as well but I'll be honest with you the, the first sort of thought for me was it was actually nice to to watch a card it was nice to sort of get back into the swing of boxing and and, and really focus on you know what what's going to happen over the course of the the next 12 months and Eubank Williams sort of give us a bit of a uh, you know it was like a, a bit of window shopping really in some respects for me I was looking in it thinking you know like, this is the sort of the window to what's coming in the future we've got all these these fights these potential hype fights and hopefully some of them will do better than others I don't think Eubank Williams lived up to what we thought he was going to but I think there's there's many other fights coming up uh, we've got another preview show obviously coming up this week for Danny Jacobs and John Ryder so you know there's, there's quite a few decent fights coming up but Handing it over to you, Johnston, you know, Eubank Williams, and let, let's get your thoughts first on this. Overwhelming, underwhelming, what did you think about it? I was I, thought, I was really disappointed with it, I'm going to be honest. I know on Sky, as they were doing their punditry, they did try their best to um, elaborate a little bit on the fight and try and make it out to be a bit more than it was, which is their job, that's what they do. It, it didn't really fulfil its promise to me. I, I was disappointed with how it went. But then, you know, on the flip side of things, Eubank did what he needed to do in the first 
sort of half of the fight. I mean, initially, I'll back Williams to edge the victory. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, over Eubank on, on Thursday when we recorded our pod, believing that that patriotic Welsh sort of crowd would spur him in be more resilient. Unfortunately for him, it, it wasn't a good night for him. It was a bad weekend for the Welsh in general after getting battered by the Irish in rugby as well. Uh, but I also have to admit that after more fault and the following day when I had to actually put my money where my mouth was, I went against my initial thought and actually picked Eubank to win by a UD. I'm glad I did, to be honest, because I would have lost out on some dough there. But look, I think I think Eubank showed he was technically the better fighter. He was the harder puncher. He had the faster hands. His counter punching was on the money and Williams just got caught time and time again and obviously hit the deck four times. Although that last knockdown in the 11th round for me should never have been called a knockdown but the fight was well and truly over for me uh, I was disappointed though uh, by Eubank uh, that he didn't sort of force that stoppage I honestly don't believe that he wanted to teach him a lesson as he said in the post-fight interview uh, for me I just think he couldn't um, and that is credit to Williams in a way um, so and I also didn't like his imitation of Roy Jones Jr. at times I was, I, you know at the age of 32 I still don't think he's quite found himself uh, talking about Chris Eubank Jr. here, but all in all, look, it was a, it was a decent fight, um, and Eubank allowed Williams to come back, Sean, didn't he? I mean, Williams was full, full of fight in that second half, and you know, some even rumoured and on Scott the Sky punditry did anyway. They they made a point that maybe Williams could come back and get a draw. I didn't think it was possible. Uh, I don't know about you. What do you reckon, mate? I I honestly think um, I think it could have been ended sooner. I think I think. Eubank should have won that fight more convincingly than what he did. I mean, obviously the scorecards by the judges reflected kind of how I felt. Although the punditry, Matt Macklin got a bit of slating off Chris Eubank Jr. on Twitter. I think it was yesterday, it might have even been this morning as we record this, uh, about the scorecards being so close compared to how the actual scorecards came out. I actually felt like the cards were reflective of how that fight was. And I mean, obviously, a lot of the Welsh fans, a lot of the Welsh journalists and pundits will feel like Williams was a bit hard done to with that. And I can kind of understand why they would feel that way. But I felt Eubank, for me, he dominated that fight. His his counter-punching was what impressed me the most in this fight. The way he was able to step back and throw check hooks. uh, the, The jab that put Williams down was quite... Shocking to me, I, I, you know, I, at first I thought it was a really short, short hook that he caught him with, but then when I seen it on the replay and I thought, this is only a jab? How's Williams gone down from a jab? I mean, is it because it was a well-timed jab? Is his punch resistance waning? I don't know, I don't know the answer to it, but I kind of started to make me ask these questions at the time. It's like, why has he gone down quite easily like that? But to his credit, for Williams, he got back up and he was resilient and he carried on and he, he, he battled his way back into it. I think that if Chris Eubank Jr. put the pressure on and continued the pressure, I think he would have beat him. I think he would have stopped him. That That's my honest opinion. And I think a lot of people do feel the same. I know there was a lot of punditry talk after the fight that, you know, why didn't he put that pressure on? He probably could have ended this fight. And I also don't agree with the fact that he said he was looking to punish him. He basically carried him through the fight that's essentially what he said there in the interview i carried him for the rest of the fight because i wanted to punish him i don't think that was the case i just don't think he he could get rid of him like you said johnson i just don't think he he was able to do that i think williams resiliently fought back uh, and made it a little bit more competitive as the rounds went on and i think because junior took his foot off the gas that's what made the fight more competitive imitating roy jones junior wasn't my 
wasn't my cup of tea at all. I feel like when all that stuff with his dad stopped, with his dad getting in the ring in between rounds and all that, that facade that they were putting on then in the early days, I thought once that had all stopped, he'd learned his lesson and I thought, you know, maybe he'll start to come into his own. But then when he's trying to imitate Roy Jones, and at times he was even trying to fight like Roy Jones, and I think that was what was yeah. like... For me, it didn't impress me at all. I was just like, why are you trying to do this? Don't do it, because it doesn't make you look a better fighter for doing it. All it makes you look like is a bit of a dick. And then that's what a lot of people were saying on social media. You know, Credit where credit's due for him. Don't get me wrong, he, he looked he looked good in spells. His timing, his counter-punching looked great. But then when he's doing this bravado, this facade, I was just thinking, no, no, Chris, why are you doing this? You, you don't help yourself when it comes down to the support and, and the people that want to see you do well, you make yourself look like a bit of an idiot. And that's him. That, that's obviously his persona. That's what he wanted to do. He was, he felt like he was teaching him a lesson. He felt like he was getting Williams back for all the, the crap that they've been exchanging over the past two years. But for me, it wasn't impressive. What was impressive is when he got in with them really short-timed hooks. And I, I thought that was impressive. That, that impressed me, them moments in the fight. I was just disappointed more than anything that he didn't finish the fight the way I think he should have done. For Williams, on the other hand, you know, like I said, credit where credit's due. He battled back, he was resilient throughout the fight, and I think he probably maybe deserved a little bit more on the cards, but then I suppose four knockdowns over the course of a fight, you can kind of understand it. Was that fourth knockdown a knockdown? It's very debatable. A lot of people don't agree with it. Did it really matter in the grand scheme of things? No, not to me. I mean, he'd already knocked him down three times before that. The fight was already convincingly won in my eyes. But yeah, it's not right. These these knockdowns shouldn't be being given. It's 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 an error on the on the referee's part on this occasion. Overall, it was underwhelming. It wasn't what I expected. I yeah. thought it'd be more competitive in in spells, and I think it was only competitive because Eubank took his foot off the gas. What happens from here then, Johnston? What happens? For Eubank, does he does he finally find his pen? Does he go for Golovkin, or, or or does he does he stay at domestic level? What do you think happens for Eubank next? Oh, it's 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 difficult because um, after the performance, some people sort of sort of raving about it. Um, I've I've read in areas uh, some people thought it was a fantastic performance, and it wasn't for me. I think if he'd have if he had have gone on stop Williams like he should have done, uh, then I think he would be getting a lot more praise from, from ourselves. Unfortunately, he didn't do that. He didn't make that statement. In actual fact, it sort of leaves me with the question of how good is he really? I mean, um, Roy Jones Jr. before the fight even turned around and said that uh, Williams was a forward engine, I believe. It was it was a description he gave him. And and, uh, and and Eubank was like the Maserati engine or the Lamborghini engine, whatever he said. Um, I think the fact is, is Williams now? I mean, where does he go? Does he does he fight for a domestic title or a European title? That's probably his his level. If he's going to step up against world level opposition like he did against Andre, then I sort of say Bank was head and shoulders above him that night. I mean, we said it's a 50-50. It wasn't, was it? It was about 70-30 the way the fight went. And that's credit to probably Roy Jones Jr. as well. I don't like the imitating stuff. Eubank just needs to find himself. He's 32 years of age. I mean, for Christ's sake, you're a grown man. You're sort of like watching a child in there imitating his heroes. It's just it's just beyond me. And But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I mean, the, the champions that are out there, you've got Charlo, you've got Lara, you've got Golovkin, you've got Andre. Um, I don't 
for me, I, on the performance he put, put in against Williams, I don't believe he beats any of them. I think the only one he could potentially take a title from would probably be Lara just because of his age. But then because he's very slick and he's south poor, I think he's awkward um, for, for, for Eubank Jr. Uh, Charla, I think he deals with Eubank. I think Golovkin, even at the age he is, I still think Golovkin pushes him back and batters him around the ring at times. I think Golovkin has got better skill. Okay, Eubank, yeah, you could look to counter-punch and you would with someone like Golovkin. Golovkin won't back away. He won't tumble over like Williams did. He's going to be in his face. And I think what you see with Eubank Jr., I think the biggest question is, is why didn't he finish it? It's because of the gas tank. He's not really... For me, you know, he used to throw loads and loads of punches and then sort of come back strong. Uh, Slow starts and then come back strong. And then he'd, you know... The Arthur Abraham fight, he threw a lot of punches. But, you know, at 32, I, I don't think that he's physically strong enough to maintain a 12-round display where he keeps Golovkin off of him. Even at Golovkin's ripe age, I still think he causes problems. I think Andre beats him as well. So, I don't think there's a title there for him. Um, who's, who's the other one? Morata, the Japanese guy, potentially. He, own, he owns, like, the Super WBA title and Lara owns the regular. I suppose that if you're going to go in any route, that would be it. With Williams... Uh, I, don't, I mean, he holds the British title. Make a defence of that, possibly. Um, I think he still holds that. He could defend that and then try and maybe jump on the European stage. But that's about it for me, for Williams. Eubank, Triple G, do I want to see it? Absolutely. I want to see whether Eubank can back up all this talk. I want to finally see whether he can do it. But the other fight that interests me is Billy Joe Saunders. Would he come back down to middleweight? And would yeah. he fight Eubank in a rematch? I mean, what value is there in that at the moment? At the moment, not a lot, but if maybe there was a, a potential shot at a world title up for grabs, that it does put more at stake for the fight. So I would be interested to see that fight again. I would see I want I wanna see that run back one more time. I wanna see Eubank and Golovkin. I'm not really interested in seeing him face Charlo or Lara or, or even Andre because I, I think I think all three of them. I think they beat him. Like you said, I agree with you. I think yep. they beat him. I think based on what I've seen throughout Eubank's career and his last performance, I think they beat him. I, I, that, that's just where I stand on that. Will he Will he move up again? Will he decide to go back up to super middleweight, Eubank? Will there be an opportunity there? I'm very interested to see how this plays out for him. Going over to Liam Williams and what prospects lie ahead for him. As you rightly pointed out, he is one of the best domestically. Barring the likes of Billy Joe, now obviously Chris Eubank, they they are sort of sitting at the upper echelons of, of this, this domestic level or this British level. They are potential world title challengers going forward. I mean, the likes of Liam Williams facing off against... I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure who he could face off against now, to be honest with you. I mean, he's got the British title... I mean, who would be a good prospect for Cash. him to find out? Cash, Felix Cash, yeah, Felix Cash got the Commonwealth, hasn't he? I think um, that'd be an interesting fight. I think that would be a clash of very similar styles. So yeah, I think you're right. Obviously, Felix Cash fights on the Danny Jacobs undercard next weekend. So yeah, depending on how that goes, what's left for Liam Williams? Well, that that fight is definitely left for him. I think for me, what what I have seen now in Liam Williams is that. He he's domestically he's on par with pretty much every other fighter, but in, when it comes to stepping up a level, I just don't think he will ever get to where he wants to go. But that's no criticism on him. There's, there are levels to the sport, and sometimes 
you've got to find that that level that that suits you and yeah you can try and get past that level yeah you can try and go for world title aspirations and who wouldn't who wouldn't want to be a world champion fair play but I think we've now seen in two separate fights with Williams, back-to-back losses for Williams, is that he isn't at that level. So he does need to take that step down and he does need to think of... I mean, he's 29, he's still young enough to come again if you, if you wanted to push himself. I just couldn't see Williams in with any of the middleweight champions at this moment in time. He'd have to come back down to domestic level and beat everybody around for me to then actually even consider him being a legit threat to any of these guys that are currently champions. For me, he needs to stick at domestic level, look for the big domestic fights on cards, look at securing his future financially first, and then maybe, just maybe, push one more time for a world title tilt. That's where I see Williams at the moment. And again, it's absolutely no bashing of Williams. I've got a lot of respect for for what he's achieved. I remember only two or three years ago, he was only fighting domestic level fighters and he obliterated three or four in a row. And it was that that made people think, well, maybe he could be a potential world beater. And fair play to him. But I think think we know what his level is now. I think it's quite obvious. So Eubank needs to go on, push for a world title tilt, push for a big fight. Eubank uh, Williams needs to stick around at domestic level, look for bigger fights there, look for big paydays there, and, and potentially maybe one or two years' time comes back and, and goes to world level. That That's where I see it anyway. Um, my, my, sort of ov- my overall summary of this, Johnston, is that we didn't really see what we wanted to see from Eubank, and what we found out is that Liam Williams isn't world level. I think that's what I took away from this fight. And I agree. I absolutely agree with you. I think I think Felix Cash actually did, uh, if, I, if I remember rightly, was it last week? Felix Cash was calling for the winner, um, so maybe he he's looking at Eubank Jr. But I actually think that it'd probably be the loser if he if he was to fight anybody. That's obviously if he gets through his fight, which he should do. Uh, I mean, just looking at the the middleweight European champion Matteo. Sagnani, um, don't know much about him. Um, I don't really know whether that goes far enough at all. For me, I think, you know, Felix Cash and Liam Williams is, isn't a bad shout. I think that's probably a good fight. And as you say, Eubank Jr., I think Billy Joe Saunders would be a, an interesting fight. I mean, with that, WBO would probably be the likelihood of the winner and eliminated with a WBO champion would be Andrade. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Golovkin would fight anyone. I think if Golovkin... Because obviously there's, there's potential that you could still see a Golovkin-Canelo uh, fight at some point. Um, we're still waiting on to find out what Canelo's going to do next. That could be the trilogy rounded up this year. So Golovkin, I'm sure, would rather fight Canelo. But in the meantime, why not fight Eubank Jr.? Um, it makes sense. But, you know, Saunders, Eubank Jr., I think, I think that sounds pretty much... How you know we're going to get these fights again? I mean, at least they fought each other once. Uh, you got you got Brooke Khan, and now you're going to get Saunders Eubank Jr. I mean, on the domestic scene, it's going to sell tickets, it sell out an arena, it will go probably on a pay per view. They make money out of it. Uh, the loser can then just obviously disappear into the sunset, and then the winner can look for another world title shot. I think um, it's definitely a strong potential. Well, let's move on then, John. So let's talk about the chief support, Clarissa Shields and Emma Cozin. I think that was a, an interesting fight because we didn't really know too much about Cozin going into it. And given her record being pretty decent record, I was hoping for a bit more. But was it a case of she was found out or was it a case of Clarissa Shields was just too good? 
I mean, what what are your initial thoughts on this fight? I think Clarissa, Alfred Clarissa. Uh, sorry, my lip. Um, by the way, just to just to throw this out there, I got elbowed in my lip, um, bust my lip open at football on Saturday. So if I'm my pronunciations are off, it's because my lips been what, glued. Any worse than <laughs> just usual? To throw that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh because you're bust open in the cut. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Clarissa Shields. Uh, look, I think she did what she needed to do. She what well, winning every round in a dominant performance against her cousin, uh, especially after eleven months away from the boxing ring. Um, I, you know, it, it was a it was a dominant display from her. I think cousin just wasn't good enough. I think Clarissa's head and shoulders all you know above her in terms of boxing ability. I don't think cousin ever looked in any danger. Clarissa didn't really put pressure. Or she did a couple of times, but cousin seemed to just not really phase her there wasn't much power for me from that's the one thing i'll say they didn't look like there was a lot of power coming from from shields which i'm sure savannah marshall will be looking at and thinking you know herself um if she can't trouble me i can certainly trouble her she's obviously the only girl that's beating her in the amateur games yeah uh so it'd be interesting to see it in the pros and obviously savannah's got her fight coming up on the 12th of march she gets through that hopefully they meet at the end of the year, I mean, it was quite fun listening to the uh, the rowing at the end and the arguing, <laughs> and me and Jim sort of watched that and uh, found that quite amusing. Uh, look, it's 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 a, it's a tough one. It really is uh, when you think about that fight. Uh, I mean, if you go into the fight itself, Cosin, as I say, it was just literally a dominant display. She won every round. She didn't like Cosin was in any trouble. It was just it was a whitewash, really. Uh, she showed she demonstrated her ability. I thought she would do better than she did. Uh, I think Savannah will be thinking deep down that I think she might have her card marked. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I kind of looked at that fight and felt like, yes, Shields was dominant. Yes, she she was throwing punches in bunches. Uh, Cozin at times looked like maybe she could be put away. But then Shields just didn't seem to have that that punching power to be able to finish the job. In my opinion, it was a dominant performance. It was nice to, to see her uh, uh, being aggressive and, and, and yeah. putting it on Cozin. I was happy to see that like that type of performance. She obviously wanted to put this performance on to show the UK fight fans and Marshall sitting ringside that you know she's she's going to be trouble for her. I think the interesting part about the aftermath was obviously how much do you like that kind of bravado and theatrics when it comes down to people trying to sell a fight uh, i've seen a lot of negativity about that that particular incident on social media and uh, a lot of people from the boxing fraternity i've seen numerous numerous fighters numerous promoters small hall promoters on social media slating it saying it was very much like wwe and you know like we don't need this in the sport these were the kind of comments i was seeing i was thinking how do you how do you perceive that? Do you perceive it as a as a good thing them two having a bit of a uh, verbal cat fight, so to speak, or do you see it as it's just it's not interesting? I mean, personally, I found it quite hilarious. That was that was my take on it. I found I think no. the way the way Shields went off, I think that was quite embarrassing on Shields' part. I mean, I, I felt like Savannah, Savannah was quite cool, calm and collected and she had a few words to say, but I think Shields was sort of shrieking in her face and I felt like that aspect of it, I can kind of agree. Like, you don't need to shriek in somebody's face. You have a war of words, you say a few things, you, you hyper-fight, you build a fight, 
but you don't need to. She was she was speaking so fast that I couldn't understand half of the stuff that was coming out of her mouth. And I think that's where it blurs the lines of hyping a fight and just just sheer utter garbage. Uh, I think it was. I think yeah, it's going to build the fight. Yeah, people are going to see it. They're talking about it being in June time. Which, uh, I mean, Savannah Marshall's fighting in March, then she's got June. So, yeah, I think it gives them both a good enough lead time to, to be back straight back into camp and back into the ring by June. It is a good fight. It is a fight that we've wanted to see for a good couple of years now, since Savannah turned pro. That's all people have spoken about, is when are these two going to fight in, in the pro game again? And I think we're nearly there now. And I hope to see it, based on what I've seen out of both of these fighters so far throughout the career... I, I honestly think Savannah's got a really good chance in this fight. I do think like she has the punching power to to stop Shields in her tracks. I'm not necessarily saying she'll she will stop her if they fight. I'm saying that she's got the power to stop her in her tracks, to stop her coming forward, to stop her putting this aggression on, you know, to hurt her on on multiple occasions. I think Savannah has that in abundance. I think what Shields has is the ability to get in and out of the pocket very quickly and and throw them punches in bunches and, and maybe she could overwhelm Savannah Marshalls. It's going to be an interesting fight when when it hopefully gets announced. We can do a proper full analysis of the how this will go down, but I, I think Savannah I'm just kind of edging it for Savannah at this moment in time. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. So that was that was good. And obviously the rest of the card then, Chris Jenkins and Julius Indongo was a fight I was interested in watching. Really to sort of see where Jenkins was at. And with Indongo being a former world champion and fighting the likes of Terence Crawford, I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is a good step up for, for Jenkins. And I think it was. I think it was a good fight for him. So if you guys, if you all watched that fight, you'll have seen... The engine on Chris Jenkins was was really really good that night. He was he was in and out. He was putting the pressure on a lot. And in Dongo by like the third fourth round looked absolutely knackered. Looked like he didn't want to be there. And he looked very much his thirty eight years of age. So people might just look at it now and go, well, Jenkins fought an over the hill version of Indongo. I think you need to give Jenkins a little bit more credit if you do think like that because I think Jenkins really upped his work rate and, and shown his ability on that night. And he's just shown now that you know there's a lot more fights left in Jenkins and a, a lot of good fights left for Jenkins in his boxing career. Whereas in Dongo, after seeing that performance and seeing how knackered he looked after like the third, fourth round, I'd be contemplating quitting the game now at 38 years of age. I mean, what, what else is there left for him to do? But... For Jenkins, it was a great win, and it's a good stepping stone now to, to where he wants to go next. It is, and it was a good win. I mean, in Dongo, it wasn't too long ago when, like as you as we mentioned in the in the other shows, when he was beating Ricky Burns. I know, obviously, that was a long time ago now, and he's nowhere near the the same fighter he was then. Uh, that was probably the peak of his powers in his whole career, and you know he is on the downslope. Uh, but Chris Jenkins. As you say, he overwhelmed Indongo. Uh, I believe Jenkins hurt his hand as well, sort of midway through the fight. He actually slowed up a little bit and the Nambian sort of came back into it. But in the end, Jenkins regained control and won the fight, pr- well, convincingly. It was it was close. By the, I mean, was it 78, 75? So um, I think those middle rounds where Jenkins sort of obviously sustained an injury uh, slowed the fight down and, and allowed Indongo to come back into it. But as you say, these... These experienced fighters, yes, he's on the downslide, but he's been in world-level fights, and that will only help 
Jenkins in the future and it will help him because he will be able to maintain that concentration. I think that's the vital part of it now is maintaining that for as, as long as you can to keep yourself in fights when things ain't going your way and come through it. And the fact that he's come through a little hand injury, come through out on top, beating a, de- a decent name. He's got a decent name on his record now. So, uh, Good luck to Chris. I think he's 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 done really well that night, and I you know hopefully better nights for him in the future. So just rounding up the rest of this card, then uh, there was an early fight on. I don't know if everybody caught that Samuel Antwi and Connor Walker, a really really close fight between the two of them. Samuel Antwi got the nod. Some felt Connor Walker should have got the nod. A really really good fight for the English welterweight title. So guys, if you didn't watch that, you should go back and watch it because it was it was a really really good fight, and I I just don't understand why they didn't make a space on the card on the main card for that particular fight. Uh, so it was a bit of a shame. It was a bit of a shame. And then Otto yeah. Volling got his victory over Camille Sokolowski. I know we spoke about Sokolowski being a bit of a danger man over four slash six rounds, but Otto Volling got his victory. Great victory for him. Harlem Eubank got his victory on the card. Uh, one particular fight as well that we mentioned in the preview, uh, and we absolutely made an absolute cock up of it, was the fact that <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing. Joe Johnston's laughing his head off because we, 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 we mentioned Steve uh, Robinson. Yeah. We mentioned Steve Robinson. And for some reason, I think both of us on that episode had a complete brain fart because Jacob Robinson is the son of the legendary Steve Robinson from Wales. And for some reason, the pair of us, not just one of us, but the pair of us was like, yeah, Steve Robinson is junior, blah, 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 blah. And if you listen to it, nobody said anything on on social yet, but it was an absolute sham and an absolute cock up from us. And and I'm glad we kind of identified that pretty quickly. But that fight was actually the first fight on the main card. Steve Robinson against Shane Gill. Shane Gill uh, was 0-1 against Steve Robinson 4-0. You know, he calls himself Ivan Drago. He's got the bit of a look of him. He come in very muscular, very built in in the heavyweight division. Shane Gill came in looking like... Andy Ruiz, you know, a bit overweight, but has got a really good amateur career behind him, came in and he absolutely, he took that fight from Steve Robinson and took the victory. And it was like, this just goes to show you that, you know, these guys, it doesn't matter what your body type is. Like some of these guys are absolutely made of, of something else. And Shane Gill was absolutely made of something else on that night. I really enjoyed that that first fight on the card. Uh, Caroline Dubois got quite a decent uh, spot on the card, to be honest, for a pro debut. And, and, and I felt like she looked pretty decent. It was a first fight against, obviously, a, a fighter who was there to, to make Caroline look good, of course. But I, I still think like she's going to be a, a really good asset to the women's side of the sport and a good ambassador for for women's boxing as well. I think she's going to be in some some pretty decent fights pretty quickly because she's got the skill and ability transitioning over from the amateur game. She's proven that she, you know, she's going to be she's going to be a threat to some of these uh, female fighters going forward. But I suppose before we move yeah. into the US action, Johnston, I just want to have a little bit of a roundup of the card then from your perspective and just any talking points other than what we've gone through already. Yes, I think, I think the one thing talking about Caroline Dubois, um, it was nice to see her make a professional debut. And, and one thing I did notice, which uh, is is something I'm definitely going to be looking out for in the future, is her uh, ring entrance. Uh, she came out to Sweet Caroline 
and uh, and that's all. You know what that like, especially in the UK when you drop Sweet Caroline in boxing, everyone's on that one. So I think I hope she maintains that. To be fair, it could be a little intro song, uh, but a good performance from her. It was nice to see her getting a victory. Uh, I mean, Otto Volin looked a bit out of shape. Looked like he had a few too many. We ain't quite got rid of that Christmas. Uh, dinner, uh, lunch, or whatever he's having, because <laughs> he was definitely carrying a bit more timber than my last seen him. Um, so yeah, but I mean, he got for a trick, as you say, he got for a tricky opponent. Um, you know, as a whole, though, the card, I mean, I think it had a lot more promise than it actually delivered. I think there were, I mean, the Jenkins performance was good to see. Uh, obviously, the Antweep and, and Walker really close fight that. Uh, I mean, that was it 97, 94, 96, 94, 96, 95, very, very close across the board. And that was nice to a good, as you say, that should have been put on a lot later in the night. Um, but I think the main card is always the one, isn't it? You got to you got to have a good main card, and and it just didn't quite deliver for me, uh, which was a shame. But it was nice to have boxing back, so it was. I suppose you, I was enjoying it because we hadn't had it for so long. If we had have had a couple of other cards, a couple of weekends before, and then this one was dropped, you'd have probably been absolutely destroying it. But um, as it as we haven't had boxing for a while. I think I was I was really excited, and I think that that might be part of the reason why. So excited about something, and then it just fails to deliver on what you expected. But yeah, it's nice to see boxing back, and uh, it's good to be able to talk about these fights again. Moving to the US, then let's talk about a couple of the the standout fights in in the USA over the weekend. The return of one time Keith Furman coming back, beating Mario Barrios and making his face a little bit of a mess over the weekend. He had a, <laughs> he had, he had a right flat nose after that fight. I looked at his nose and he, he was just uh, completely, completely deformed. And I just felt like looking at that fight now and reflecting upon seeing Keith Firm back in the ring, I know we'd mentioned he'd been out of the ring for a while. There'd been issues with injuries outside of the ring. He'd come back. Can you, can you really predict his future based off that performance? I think we I think maybe people are being a bit too whew, a bit too gunko when it comes down to making the predictions about where Thurman can potentially go now. I mean, I, I'm quite suspect of doing that sometimes. I feel like we need to see him yeah. in the ring a bit more active before we can make a, a true assessment as to whether he could beat the likes of Crawford or Spence, the two other big names in the division. I, I think that performance was was good. For him, it was a good performance. It was a good victory for him, a good return to the ring. You could see the signs of him being away for so long for the ring. But it was good to see him back, and it makes me feel like maybe another two fights, and then really, by the end of this year, starting next year, he should be pushing for one of them big names in the division. I think the key now for for Furman is to stay as injury-free as possible and get as much activity as possible this year. That's the only way he's going to get the opportunity to to be totally ready for the likes of a Spence or a Crawford. I absolutely agree with you. He needs to be active. That was always his problem initially, wasn't it? Was his lack of his inactivity. I mean, he ain't fought for 31 months, I believe it is. So, I mean, he looked good for the fact that he was 31 months out of the ring. And I think the big question mark in the fight was all about what Keith Furman shows up. Uh, he didn't score that knockout, but he was close to notching it on a few occasions. His jabber movement uh, looked back to his old self. His power was clearly shown on, as you said, on Barrios's face. And uh, as you say, uh, I, I think I see the son uh, referred to him looking like an Avatar character after the fight. <laughs> <laughs> he did. It's an absolute dead ringer, to be fair. Um, I think he faded a little bit down the stretch, uh, 
but you know 31 months out of the ring are you expecting that and then the last round he really turned it on uh it was strong I think he threw something like 70 to 50 punches in that last round alone to just to prove to people that, you know, he's back kind of thing. But I'm with you, Sean. Look, the landscape of the world away division's changed so much since his disappearance. And, you know, obviously you've got the two biggest names. You've got Spence Jr. and we've got Crawford. There's also Ugas, who obviously dethroned Pacquiao. And then you've got the other new emerging stars in Virgil Ortiz Jr. and Baron Boots Ennis. I'm sure he would not want to go anywhere near them two. Uh, with Ugas and Spence Jr. and Furman all aligned to PBC, you can see that the Furman-Spence fight is a potential down the line. But as you as you rightly pointed out, I think he needs to be active. Uh, so, I mean, I can see maybe one more fight in and then really pushing the Ugas fight. Uh, I think that should be his main target. I think if he does that, I think he can dethrone him if, if he gets himself active, gets himself back to the way he was. I think he beats Ugas which then gives him a title, Spencer title, and then that makes that fight a bit more uh, financially viable, I suppose. Yep. And you know what they're like in PBC. They love having two champions, don't they? The, the champions is a big thing. It does. Def- it, it puts the Crawford fight away for a little while. I just think Terence Crawford's out on his own at the minute. I don't really know where his next fight's coming or where the next big fight's going to come from unless Josh, Josh Taylor moves up. Yeah, I, I agree. I like I like your assessment of it. I do I do think that's a, a good way to look at how ideally Thurman could could play out his his career over the next twelve eighteen months. I think that'd be good. I'd like to see that Crawford. Like you say he's kind of out on his own. He's kind of a little bit isolated at the moment. Well, he's got his issues yeah, with top. He's got his got his issues with Bob, and he's got his issues with top rank. And I mean, the logical fight would be for Josh Taylor to move up after fighting Jack Catterall. Uh, if he beats Catterall, and then and then looking at that straight as a, a straight jump up. But then we just don't know whether that'll be viable or not. I mean, they spoke about it previously, so it's not out of the realms of possibility. The only other option would be Crawford takes takes another fight against a, a voluntary defence, you know, and, and, and fights a name out of the top 15. He gets to select a top 15 contender and, and fights one of them in the interim and keeps active. But we want to see the big fights. I just, I just fear that we might not get to see the best of Crawford against the bigger names. Uh, until maybe he's a little bit older and as time goes on we just don't know whether we'll get to see the best of Terence Crawford we'll see we'll see what happens uh, I'd like to yeah. just talk about the hero of the weekend for me there's one hero this weekend there's one <laughs> absolute star of the weekend and that was Jesse Rodriguez scoring that unanimous decision victory over Carlos Cadares in Arizona I think that was for me the fight uh, the fight highlight of the weekend. I, I was I was shocked to be honest with you. I was not that I didn't think Rodriguez had a chance. I just felt like maybe Cadraras had had the experience, and now we've got a twenty two year old southpaw who's become the WBC junior bantamweight champion, the youngest champion at the moment in boxing, which I just found absolutely crazy. I was like his emergence from really seemingly nowhere. Uh, I, I just found it compelling. I found the whole story compelling. And the fact that he come out in the aftermath, Rodriguez, and says, I didn't even know I had that in me myself. <laughs> just was just like, <laughs> well, there you go, kid. There you go. It just goes to show you when you dedicate your life to this sport, like you can you can really surprise yourself. And he did. And for me, he was the hero of this weekend. He come in there, the total underdog, totally expected to be taking a, a step too soon. And has just proven that, you know, he, it was the right time for him. He, he got the victory. So that was a great... Great win for him over the weekend. Really, really good win. For me, hero of the weekend, he takes that accolade. 
Absolutely, and I agree with you. Uh, I mean, I did do a little bit of homework on Jesse Rodriguez leading up to the fight because um, I had this little competition thing where we do our picks, and I was looking at Carlos Cudreras, however you pronounce his name. Obviously, you had uh, Rangjavai, who was he was meant to fight, and he, he obviously become unwell. And Jesse Rodriguez was supposed to fight someone else in the lower division. Um, the irony was was that. The South, you know, uh, Rick, Rick, South, I believe it's a Southpaw. So he was, Carlos was preparing for that already. Rodriguez was already preparing for a, a right hand. So it sort of worked out well. Rodriguez moved up. And then I was reading a lot of fuss about Jesse Rodriguez. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know too much about him. I'd heard of his name, but nothing really came out. Uh, I never had watched any of his fights, being blatantly honest with you. It was just a name I'd heard. So, the Americans were shouting about this guy and they were saying, this guy's got a lot of ability. So I did a little bit of homework. I watched a few of his fights and and he did look really good. Uh, and, you know, he's got great ability in the ring, footwork, movement. And when I sort of see that and then hearing the the Americans sort of really hyping him up, I thought that Carlos was in some big trouble. Um, and, and I went for him and he got the win and he lived up to his promise, you know, at, at his first ever world title fight. Uh, as I say, the replacement as well. He floors it, when it, when he floored Carlos as well in that third round. That beautiful swivel and in that lovely body punch was absolutely superb. I was like, wow, the best move of the night, the the hero of the weekend, uh, the best move of the weekend. He, he he boxed the best, an absolute future star in boxing. Uh, great stuff from him. Well, Liverpool's Carly Skelly and her title challenge against Jamie Mitchell came up quite short. She was, for me, she was she was just beaten by a complete better fighter on the night. And, and fair play for her for stepping up and fighting Jamie Mitchell, going over there to America and fighting Jamie Mitchell, who looked better than what she did against Shannon Courtney. She looked a much better and a much improved fighter. And whilst Shannon Courtney's actually got a contractually obliged rematch against Mitchell, surely we should have looked at that over the weekend and gone. I'm not so sure I want to take that fight again. I mean, she's quite adamant. I've, I've I've actually seen an interview with Shannon yesterday. She's back out in the press doing some press interviews, and she said that she she does want that fight. And she mentioned in the fight she had a ruptured ACL, uh, and that was why she had the big knee brace on against Mitchell. Uh, she couldn't run for most of the camp. There was obviously the issues about her weight in the lead up to it. It was a really rough time for her. And I'm not making any excuses for her. Will she want to take that fight again after seeing that? I get the impression Shannon probably will, but after seeing that, I'm not sure so sure I'd want to take that fight, seeing how much Mitchell had improved in that one particular fight against Courtney to, to beating Carly Skelly. Skelly was just outmatched and outgunned in that particular fight, and it was a shame for her. Fair play to her. She went over there. She tried. She didn't get the victory, and we'll get to see now whether Courtney will try and get an immediate rematch now after this. I'll be interested. I'm interested to see whether she does, but also, then, but also Johnston, the, the Raymond Ford and... Edward Vasquez is another fight on the card which actually left a little bit of a bit of taste in people's mouths. Uh, many people felt Vasquez won that fight, but Raymond actually got away with one. Yeah, um, I've heard about it. I haven't seen it, um, so I'll have to go back and watch it. There's been a lot of fights. It's, you know, we had three cards, so I, you know, um, I have to admit I, this was one I missed, but I did hear about it sort of when I was reading about uh, some of the other stuff that was going on in boxing. This sort of just crept in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just touching on Jamie Mitchell, uh, I thought she really did uh it just shows you doesn't it that one big win and all of a sudden there she's got so much confidence she looks like the full article uh so it, it's incredible what that one victory can do but 
I'll, that is now you've said that, Sean. I will be going back watching Raymond Ford and Edward Vasquez later on tonight. <laughs> so there's not any other fights I wanted to really highlight for this particular episode, being a reaction show to some of the main fights over the weekend. I suppose we're going to be looking ahead now to Danny Jacobs and John Ryder over here in London next weekend that's going to be our big fight preview coming up yeah. in two days time i hope you guys are looking forward to that particular fight i'm looking forward to breaking it down because i think it's a, a really interesting fight and i'll save a lot of my uh, pre-fight analysis for that episode but i'm just glad that we got a, a, a relatively decent weekend of action i'm glad that the, the sport's back in the uk i'm glad that we've got uh, a good couple of weeks now with some good fights. We've got obviously Jacobs and Ryder coming up. We've also got Khan and Brook the following weekend. So, you know, the next couple of weeks are, are looking pretty decent for us in terms of some content coming out in pre-fight and post-fight reactions. So I'm, I'm quite excited to be getting back into the swing of things and getting back into the swing of analysing some of these fights and predicting some of these fights. It was uh, it was a very interesting weekend, a very a very topsy-turvy weekend for many many reasons uh, i did enjoy it and I, and I hope you guys listening i hope you enjoyed the sport being back in a bit more of a uh, a grand swing of things uh, for me enjoyed it thoroughly looking forward to next weekend uh, guys as always if you've not already followed us on social media you can do it at btr boxing pod on twitter and facebook instagram youtube wherever you want to get us we're there find us and subscribe to us if you're listening via an audio platform you can do that on apple on google on spotify or any available podcasting app out there uh, a big shout out to the patrons of course as always as per every episode then patrons are giving us the support that we need to continue building upon this podcast and all the different shows and all the research that we have to do and the various bits of literature that we have to go out and buy to be able to put these great episodes together so a big thank you to you guys the patrons for supporting the podcast and i hope you're enjoying your early access to episodes and we've recently just dropped the the best british middleweight fights in the uk as a patron only episode that we've just recently dropped so if any of you guys are listening, you, you're not a patron yet and you, you want to have a look, look at what we've got on offer, please go to patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast Network for the available membership tiers. There's about 10 to 12 episodes on there now that are patron only. So if you've not had the opportunity to go and see it, please do. You'll get a preview of what's on there as well. So you don't have to literally go on and become a patron. You can actually get a preview of what's there. So if you guys want to go on and have a look and see some of the content that we've done, you get the opportunity to do that before putting your hand in your pocket and, and supporting us. But if you do want to do that, then you know where to go now. It's been a pleasure, Johnston. Thank you for yep. coming back with another great assessment. Uh, a good, another good weekend. Uh, any final thoughts for you as we uh, head off for our next big fight preview? I suppose the only other name that we probably should just touch on is the Santa Cruz that made his way back, like Keith Furman, after his brutal, brutal defeat uh, loss to Javante Davis. It's good to see him back uh, winning a shutout decision against Keenan uh, Carabao. Uh, Car is it Carabao? 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 Carabao. It wouldn't be the same if I didn't crucify someone's name. So I thought I'd just stick that in the end. Uh, but yeah, good to see Santa Cruz back. And obviously he's got some across two divisions. And I think he's still one of his WBA holder of the featherweight title. So it, it, he's got a few options out there uh, for the future. We did actually highlight a few. Cruz and Navarrete and... Um, 
yeah, and, and even Oscar Valdez, I think we mentioned. But yeah, Vargas, just it's just great to see him back, and hopefully he can uh, get himself back in the division. So that was the last thing I'd have to say about the weekend. But all in all, good to see some of these guys come back and uh, and some fresh ones coming through. So yeah, it's exciting. That's it, guys. Thank you, thank you for listening. As always, we'll see you on the next episode, the big fight preview between Danny Jacobs and John Ryder coming up in a couple of days. Please share this episode on social media. Please give us a retweet, a like, a share on Facebook or on Instagram. However you want to do it, please do go out there and share it. We really appreciate your support as always, and we'll see you on the next episode. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.